from the studios of Farm Journal Broadcast. This is Ag Day. What do coffee and pork have in common? We're here to try this new pork-inspired latte unique to Starbucks Reserve here in China. One reporter puts it to the test. What a lack of snow and ongoing drought could mean for farmers and ranchers in one Great Plains state. And what does the future hold for the renewable fuels industry? The more preferable alternative, of course, would be for Congress to pass legislation that fixes this problem once and for all in every state. An update as the industry awaits some important announcements right now on Ag Day. Ag Day, presented by Pioneer. What's next happens when the testing grounds meet the proving grounds. Pioneer, what's next happens here. Good morning, I'm Clinton Griffiths. What does the future look like when it comes to E15 and sustainable aviation fuel? Industry leaders say both have a bright future, but they will need some help to get there. Ag Day's Michelle Rook joins us. And Michelle, both fuels have been in the news this week and were a big topic at this week's National Ethanol Conference. That's right, Clint. There's general consensus the ethanol industry can achieve future growth and success, but it will be dependent on the Biden administration's regulatory path. And 2024 is a pivotal year. A Reuters story suggests the White House will approve a 2022 request from eight Midwestern governors to allow year-round sales of E15, but it won't be implemented until 2025. Cooper says they don't have confirmation of that, and the official announcement wasn't expected until late March. However, he says the ethanol industry needs certainty now in time to get ready for the summer driving season. And today we are again calling on the Biden administration to immediately follow through on its statutory obligation to approve the governor's petition so that consumers, at least in these eight states, can choose E15 this summer. The more preferable alternative, of course, would be for Congress to pass legislation that fixes this problem once and for all in every state. Cooper says their future also depends on how ethanol for sustainable aviation fuel is treated in the administration's revised GREET model to be released by March 1st. Again, news reports suggest it will show corn-based fuel to be less effective at reducing greenhouse gas emissions than previously estimated, making it more difficult to take part in SAF tax credits, but leaving a pathway for partnering with farmers using sustainable practices. And here's what's at stake. The modified GREET model will either help open the door for U.S. agriculture and ethanol producers to participate in the SAF market, or it will lock out the highest volume, lowest cost feedstocks and assure the failure of this administration's ambitious SAF goals. Cooper says they're also awaiting EPA's tailpipe emission standards, which will reflect a push to electric cars. Here he stressed the importance of a fair regulatory framework. USDA Secretary Tom Vilsack also speaking at the conference saying he's confident E15 will be available across the country in 2025. Until then, he says the administration would likely issue temporary waivers this summer to enable such sales as needed. I'm Michelle reporting for Ag Day. All right, thanks, Michelle. Warmer temperatures are making it feel like spring is right around the corner. That's not necessarily good news for areas of the country now experiencing snow drought. USDA meteorologist Brad Rippey says it's becoming a big issue in parts of the northern U.S. due to the El Nino weather pattern. Now you can see the lack of snow depth currently on this map, and that lack of soil moisture is a big concern growing into the growing season. 
We have a number of locations across the northern plains and upper Midwest where season-to-date snowfall ranges from just 4 to 12 inches. And in locations like Fargo, North Dakota, the season-to-date snowfall less than 10 inches, which is less than one quarter of what you would normally expect for the season-to-date through late February. On the plus side, the lack of snow has helped out ranchers with calving season. While there is some snow cover in western Montana, more than 42% of the state is still in some sort of drought. However, it is down from the more than 67% experienced this time last year. But the Montana Stock Growers Association is trying to head off what could be a big year for grasshoppers in the state. Now, according to this USDA map, eastern Montana could be hit the hardest for grasshoppers this summer with a density of 15 or more grasshoppers per square yard, as you can see on this map there in red. Now, experts say massive quantities of livestock forage could be destroyed. The organization sending a letter to Republican Congressman Ryan Zinke saying that ranchers have managed to self-fund suppression in the past year, but this forecast, along with the multi-year drought, uninterrupted grasshopper infestations, and higher input costs, could make this year's situation feel insurmountable. It's reported each grasshopper can consume its body weight and destroy six times their body weight of vegetation daily. Meanwhile, those unseasonably warmer temperatures are continuing to push across the country. Meteorologist Matt Engelbrecht has more. Yeah, and you'll see uh, temperatures over the course of the next couple of days uh, will be warming up on average, but a small pocket uh, of the United States will be cooling down. Uh, colder temperatures as we go into the weekend. You know, this is tomorrow morning uh, through the weekend, but warming right back up next week. Kind of a shallow pocket of some colder air drifting in and across the area. And I say shallow because of how easily this is going to be moving back up to the north and to the northeast. Check out the upper 60s, lower 70s in and across Texas, but also 73 degrees in New Orleans, 73 degrees in Jacksonville. Combine that with about 41 degrees for a high temperature in Chicago. Most of the area is going to stay uh, above average, which is about 36 degrees. So uh, upper 30s, lower 40s. And uh, again, this is going to be for one day only as this moves out. Temperatures are going to ramp right back up next week. And there's like the temperature outlook. And these warmer temperatures helping to push planting forward in the south. One farmer called South Texas on Twitter saying he's started planting Milo or grain. Yeah, it looks like uh, sorghum. It uh, looks like he's doing it under beautiful blue skies as well. I'll have more on your forecast coming up. Flip Your Soil on Ag Day is brought to you by ESN. Hear how farmer Heath Cottrell achieved award-winning corn yields with ESN Smart Nitrogen. Learn more at smartnitrogen.com. As farmers head to the field this spring for Plant 24, there are many ways they flip their soils to increase yield by paying attention to agronomic details. Now, agronomists say growers need to plant when the soil conditions are optimal, so don't mud in the crop and make sure you plant at the proper soil temperature on corn that's 50 degrees. We'll actually plant in the soils that are below 50 degrees just because the conditions are right and the forecast is right after. That's the other side of that, making sure it's not going to get cold right after you plant. Planting corn and soybeans at the proper depth is also critical, as well as using seed treatments to ensure proper emergence and protecting the seed from pests. So seed treatments really um, provide that foundation for getting the year started off right. Um, preventing that early disease infection, which uh, really inhibits that plant the rest of the year. Um, we're also, a lot of them are placed right on the seed, so 
it's easy for the plant to take them up and be protected that way. Break-evens are tight, so Galing says paying attention to the details will be the key to farmers maximizing their yields and margins. A new report says the carbon footprint of U.S. soy products has dropped. A life cycle assessment found the U.S. soybean industry's global warming potential profile dropped in 2021, specifically for whole soybeans, soybean meal, and soy oil. Now that's compared to the previously reported findings back in 2015 and 2010. Now the study analyzed soybean information for more than 450 farms across 16 states. It said there was a 19% decrease in the carbon footprint of soybeans, a 6% decrease for soybean meal, and a 22% drop in U.S. crude soy oil. It says factors contributing to the drop include improved soil health and water quality, along with improvements in seed quality. Now, the study was commissioned by the United Soybean Board and the National Oilseed Processors Association. Farmer protests are continuing overseas. That includes in Madrid, Spain. Farmers and ranchers there gathering to protest in front of the Ministry of Agriculture. They claim wholesalers and distributors buy their products at below cost. They also are concerned about European regulations, which they say they must comply with in order to continue their business. In Greece, thousands of farmers staged an all-night protest near the Greek parliament in Athens as part of a nationwide agricultural rally. The farmers' demands include lower energy prices and an end to the importation of some products and more government subsidies they say are needed to reduce production costs in their businesses. And in South Africa, a ship that was said to be carrying thousands of cattle that had a foul smell is now reported to be on its way to Iraq. The ship Al Kuwait stopping in the tourist city of Cape Town. It was en route from Brazil and Reuters says it's carrying an estimated 19,000 head of cattle. But it's reported the smell coming from the ship was nauseating and the smell spread throughout the city. Now, the vessel had docked for animal feed along with medical assessments for the animals. It was boarded by inspectors from the National Council for Societies for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals on Sunday, the NSPCA. It attributed the smell to what it said were awful conditions, the animals having spent two and a half weeks on board, but an inspector says the cattle were not in physically bad condition in terms of their weight. They did say, however, eight animals had to be euthanized. Grain markets couldn't hold on to Tuesday's gains. Cattle markets, however, traded in the green. We'll have all of that and more coming up in Markets Now. And later, the perfect poor meets perfect pork in this new Starbucks sensation. We'll tell you about it in the country. Soybeans giving back most of their gains from the past two sessions midweek. Michelle Look is back to talk it over with Matt Bennett in Markets Now. Grains closing mostly lower on Wednesday. Matt Bennett with agmarket.net joining us. And Matt, you know, disappointing. We didn't see much follow through on the short covering rally from Tuesday in the grains. How much of it was profit taking versus just farmers selling here at the end of the month? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. You hear about a lot of folks trying to figure out, hey, do we roll these things to the next month? Do we go ahead and stay uh, long greens, so to speak? Or do we do we just uh, throw in the towel and be done with it? Some people replace them with some cash ownership or some paper ownership. 
but the bottom line is there's a lot going on at the end of the month. The pain inflection point, I think, has gotten strong enough that, uh, you know, it's very frustrating for a lot of folks. I totally understand that. Uh, but I think that's what's uh, going on right now is a combination of things. So contract lows once again in the corn market. So how much lower do we have to go to find chart support or stimulate some demand? Well, I mean, you got to look long term for chart support, you know, because you're below all your moving averages. So, you know, you got to start looking at, uh, you know, what, where you where might you look? And the bottom line for me is you get down into these levels is how much psychological support, if you will, might be down around four dollars. I personally don't think that you break $4 this early in the growing season. Of course, your front month contract uh, with this carry market is your lowest. Uh, March doesn't have a whole lot of time. It's getting long in the tooth. So with that being said, you know, I've got to think that maybe you'll go ahead and hold this thing. Now, does May end up breaking it at some point? Uh, because we know May's probably going to go down and test the waters on how far, uh, how low March got. Uh, bottom line for me, I think you'll find some support in here. At least I sure hope you do because, you know, this market has been anything but. What about soybeans? Where do they find support? Because we're not that far from the contract low. Yeah, we aren't. That's the thing is that I think that you go to a contract low, you test it, see what happens. If you break through that, it's not going to look pretty. Unfortunately, you come in here on the overnight market Monday night into Tuesday morning, and it sure looked like maybe we're going to kind of get something going. But the, uh, the, the fact remains, every time that we rally these markets, the buyers don't show up. You get a fair amount of hedge pressure, in my opinion. You get uh, people taking profit. There's been a ton, a ton of money made uh, with some of these people that have uh, been in a position uh, to be short the market. No doubt. Thanks for joining us, Matt Bennett, Ag Markets. Uh, now we'll have more Ag Day coming up. To contact Matt Bennett at Ag Market, call 844-4-AG-MARKET or visit their website at www.agmarket.net. We'll start off looking at that jet stream as we go through our Thursday into our Friday. Again, that shallow pocket of some colder air is going to drift to the north, uh, to the south. May get back into some frost territory for a good portion of the Midwest, but also into the northeast. Again, there's a jet stream coming up on Friday, but this is going to kick out fairly quickly. So by Saturday and Sunday, transitioning back up into some warmer temperatures, more of a zonal flow from west to east uh, coming up next week, next Monday and Tuesday. A trough is going to be developing back out here to the north. That is worth watching as this combines with some moisture. It may start looking at the possibility for some strong thunderstorms uh, coming up on Wednesday or at least along uh, this frontal boundary right here. Again, this is a jet stream coming up on Wednesday. As for that temperature outlook, this goes all the way into March Fifth, above average high temperatures in and across the United States as we got a couple of troughs trying to come through, uh, but ridging uh, over two thirds of the United States. Again, this is March 5th. Uh, by uh, the time we hit uh, the end of February and into early March, you got colder than average or below normal temperatures out here on the West Coast where we continue to see not only problems with uh, the cloud cover, but the rain in and across locations into California. Again, this is 28th through the 5th. You look at what's going on for the rest of our Thursday. Uh, so a very shallow trough is going to kick up some energy and some showers, maybe a rumble of thunder from the West to the East, taking on a little bit more energy and also a thunderstorm potential for the East Coast with some stronger winds as you get more towards the United States Canadian border may even work out into some snow. Otherwise quiet Saturday and Sunday with that pocket of colder air drifting off to the east back here to the west. That's a ridge of high pressure developing over the four corners.
Start off with Iowa, partly cloudy, high around 63 degrees, low of 35. Bay City, Texas. Got some morning clouds, otherwise some evening sun, high around 75 degrees. Lady Smith, Wisconsin, partly cloudy, high of 50 degrees. Drover's Report on Ag Day is brought to you by Neogen. Discover your possibilities and enhance your herd's potential. With cattle prices holding strong, feeders are watching packer margins and wholesale prices closely. The latest sterling beef profit tracker shows closeouts improved about $3 per head last week on softer cash cattle prices, even though the current feeder steer prices are 25% higher than a year ago. Feeders now losing about $3 per head. Not great, but a big improvement from the $133 per head losses a month ago. Packer margins, they dipped last week, now losing roughly $100 per head as wholesale beef prices hold steady. Last week, cattle cost about $383 per head to feed, more than $200 less than the same week a year ago. One of Japan's most important food shows, the supermarket trade show, just wrapped up and U.S. pork and beef was on full display. The U.S. Meat Export Federation showcasing both pork and beef products at that show. Key buyers from Japan's retail sector were on hand as USMEF worked to capitalize on its already strong relationships there in the country. It's just one of a number of shows the Federation will attend this winter as tourism ramps back up following those recent COVID shutdowns in Japan. You can see lots of tourists walking around. The hotel rate has increased quite a lot due to the you know, many guests staying, mainly tourists. Recently, tourists preferred, oh, I want to eat sushi or I want to eat tempura. Uh, now, tourists dine in everywhere, like ramen noodle shop or quick service restaurant or beef ball restaurant, which used to be only the, you know, Japanese customer area. So yes, we're hoping many tourists can come and eat U.S. beef and pork cuisine in Japan. In early March, USMEF will lead a similar effort at FoodX, which is considered Japan's largest food trade show. Both events made possible by funding from USDA, the National Pork Board, the Beef Checkoff Program, and the Texas Beef Council. Now one thing's for sure, people in other countries eat and drink a variety of different things. Up next, a pork-inspired coffee is making its way to China. What it includes, next. Starbucks is betting coffee drinkers in China will like its interesting new pork-flavored latte. They're using it to mark the Lunar New Year because they say eating meat means prosperity in the coming year. Mark Stewart did his own taste test in Beijing. So much anticipation. We're here to try this new pork-inspired latte unique to Starbucks Reserve here in China. Let's go. Okay, all right, let's give this a try. All right, so let's take a closer look. You've got coffee, you've got milk, and you've got some barbecue-style sauce on top. We don't have the garnish of the, of the piece of pork, which you see in the promotional materials, but all right, let's give this a try. One more, one more sip. All right, so it pretty much tastes like a latte with a little bit of like a sweet, savory topping. Um, I can see why people may like it. It's kind of that sweet, savory, savory mix. 
Um, this costs about $9.50 US. I think for me personally, I'm gonna stick to an almond latte. Mark Stewart, CNN, Beijing. All right, thanks Mark, and that's all the time we have this morning. We're sure glad you tuned in. From all of us here at Ag Dan, Clinton Have a great day. Have a fun country.